0: Welcome to the Hear It Podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Roberts, and each week we're going to be speaking to different guests about their take on how to engage a youth audience. I really hope you like it. Hello, welcome to episode three of the Hear It Podcast. Now, this week we're speaking to Dave Musson, and we're still on the topic of how to reflect youth voice within our work. Now, as well as being in-house, Dave's worked for a number of organisations all about how to reflect student voice specifically within the work they do to recruit other students. Here's what he had to say.
1: My name's Dave Musson. Um, I'm the head of community and content at the Access Platform uh, or TAP for short. It's probably an easier way to refer to it throughout the rest of this podcast. Um, So my role is a mixture of uh, marketing stuff. So I, I run our blog, I write white papers, I manage our social media and I host our own podcast, Inspiration on TAP, which you've been a guest on, of course. Thank you for that. Um, And I also I also work directly with our partners to uh, basically to ensure they get the best out of our platform. So I run strategy workshops and I coordinate the training of our student ambassadors on our platform as well. Um, And I guess before TAP, um, I had a few years experience in the sector. So I I was editor in chief of The Native, which was an online magazine aimed at university social media managers and marketers. And before that, I was the social media lead at the University of Warwick for three and a half years um, and then outside of work, I, I've probably got too much going on, to be honest. Um, I play in a band. I host three other podcasts. Yeah, one about Slipknot, one about albums, and one about the Coventry Bears rugby league team. And I also I also wrote a book about the Coventry Bears last year and published that. Um, and I've since since lockdown started, I've, I've started hosting a Stephen King quiz live on Instagram every Sunday. And I've now just launched a Stephen King YouTube channel. And I've got a baby boy to look after as well. So yeah, busy.
0: As you can tell, Dave's a pretty busy guy both in a work capacity and the sheer volume of content he produced in his spare time. But to kick things off, I was really keen to get to understand why TAP really value Youth Voice and why they encourage universities to use it in their peer-to-peer marketing.
1: Um I mean without wanting to go all like marketing podcast buzzword bingo on it, it's it's all about authenticity really, isn't it? Um, you know, I think prospective students, when they're making that decision making process, they can they can really easily access like official practical information from a range of sources so like course details entry requirements accommodation prices and all of that sort of stuff they're all online they're all in prospectuses all of those kind of things but getting that insight on student life working out whether you're a good fit for that institution and really making a, a really confident and empowered decision about your future that's really tough to do on those official channels and actually the best way to do that is to be able to speak to current students who are currently doing it. And I think that's why universities have always put so much stock in student ambassadors in their recruitment processes anyway, because you know those peer-to-peer conversations can have a really vital role in the decision-making journey. And I think also, you know, most student ambassadors now are only a year or two ahead of prospective students in their journey. So, you know, they they can really relate to the kind of questions that prospective students have and the kind of anxieties they might have. And because of that, those student ambassadors are, are seen by these young people who have got these big decisions to make. They see these student ambassadors as being really relatable, really engaging and really trustworthy as well. And I think no matter how good you are at marketing and how good your your marketing output is you just you can't match that authenticity um, that simply talking to one of your peers brings and that's not to say traditional marketing should be killed off I, i think far from it i think it's still really useful but you know, I think actively involving your students and making it really easy for for prospective students to connect with them is it's that extra sprinkling of fairy dust on top that's really going to elevate your recruitment efforts. And certainly from from TAP's point of view, I think doing all of that stuff via an online platform makes it even easier and even more powerful. I think particularly in light of recent events where like the whole world has moved online as well it's it's really shown the power of it.
0: And I mean, it sounds like you know the most obvious thing to do to use that student voice for the sort of genuine conversations with the students, but it's not always um, straightforward or easy. And I think you see universities kind of sometimes getting it wrong with perhaps trying to be very specific around the messaging they want that student to say. So how how do you get students to be authentic? And there's a buzzword again, and get that real student voice through and balancing kind of what you want them to say from a university perspective like facilitating that to to say something genuine how do you get the balance right
1: it's a tricky one isn't it because I think if, if you don't do anything then um you know if you don't work with students at all you end up just sounding corporate um or you can go too far the other way and you just become that fellow kids meme but in real life and I think to me, I think a big part of it is just trusting your your students that you work with your your student ambassadors, and actually treating them like colleagues, and giving them a platform, and giving them a clear brief, and then just letting them get on with it. You know, um, very very rarely have I ever encountered examples where university's worked with student content creators or student ambassadors and has, has has given them a clear brief and given them that trust to just trust their own creativity and judgment. And, you know, very rarely does it, does it go wrong. And actually the kind of students who put themselves forward for that sort of work, they really get it. They really understand it and they really understand the importance of it for their own careers and their own CV. So they're going to want to do a good job for you anyway. And I think if you, if you, you know, if you trust students enough to speak to prospective students in real life at a at a at an open day, then you know you should definitely be doing that online. And there's also no reason not to work with them to create amazing content for you that is is actually going to grab the attention of those prospects. You know, we we talk in another buzzword for you. We talk about thumb-stopping content in marketing. You know, that actually grabs people's attention, and you're much more likely to get that that attention if that content has been created by those students by by those student ambassadors by those young people who are very similar in life experience and journey and just who often will, will just look and sound like the kind of people you're trying to reach I think that there are some good some really great examples out there of universities doing this already I mean I know you you're you're chatting to Tony from Limerick and I think that their student created promo videos have very quickly just been given legendary status in the sector and rightly so because they're they're incredible and a lot of that just came down from Tony just trusting those students to do a good job and, and and helping out where needed but not being not being overly prescriptive on it um obviously having final veto on things but but you know just trusting that creativity And I think elsewhere you know Glasgow are always doing good stuff with their students and then just thinking more specifically about about taps partners because obviously i work with those on a more more frequent level and a big part of our platform is a content feature so you can commission and collect user generated content from their student ambassadors and then publish it on their website social media and other places and you know, just off the top of my head i can think of sunderland university canberra university africa university and and actually the oxford colleges we work with that they all really spring to mind right away is as having really passionate and really enthusiastic student ambassadors who are creating fantastic content and they're doing that because again that they they feel empowered to trust their creativity and to to just remember what it was like for them when they were at that stage of the journey and the university are there to support them to do that rather than explicitly tell them what to say but i think if you don't show that trust in your students that you want to work with and if you don't show a willingness to treat them as colleagues then you're not going to get the rewards of the good stuff at the end, i.e. the, the great content that people like me will go on a podcast and, and talk about. And I th- so I think it's really crucial to actually work with your students rather than just hire them in for a project. You know, it's almost like coming back to authenticity. I think your intentions have to be as authentic as the content you want to get out of them, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. In fact, the last episode I spoke to Mara Silvestri from One Young World, and she sort of was saying that it really stems from actually valuing young people as people that you want to have a voice. And I think mm. you're absolutely right. If that if that's like the driving force behind your content strategy, then you're always going to come up with something that's positive rather than this kind of awkward relationship between you know, well, we're hiring them in to say something. So I yeah. know I think that's a really good starting point. And UBC put out a paper about the impact of of lockdowns can you tell us a bit more
1: about what you found we did yeah so it was it was it was quite a bold title it was sort of looking at the the future of student recruitment post post covid and it was it was done sort of early on in lockdown and looking at a few areas in, uh, as to how the pandemic had really affected student recruitment and I mean the obvious is obviously it's it's really brought online recruitment methods to the fore so platforms such as our own for example People have really shown a, a massive interest in wanting to to work with us and, and use our platform. And, you know, looking at how those platforms have reacted, they've really done a great job. And one of the one of the most interesting ones is that, you know, we, we did a we did a snap survey as part of the the white paper just to get a few opinions on on what the future student recruitment might look like. And you know, nobody's expecting that these online channels to go away once this this is all over now. It's it's almost like this has been the opportunity for these online panels to really get Uh, really get a seat at the table and i think you know in terms of looking at what prospective students really want have wanted to know about recently obviously the big concerns for them has been whether they'd be able to start term on campus or not you know whether their courses are going to be delivered online and and wanting information about social distancing measures on campus as well so that's useful insight for for marketing teams um to be able to to feedback into their own strategies and then another big side of it has obviously been the shift of open days from traditional in-person events to virtual events and I think what what this has shown is you know those virtual open open days can still really allow you to to harness the power of those traditional open days because there's still a space where prospective students can have conversations with other students with staff with academics they can they can find out more about the university they can they can still get a sense of what campus looks like as well and, you know, I think, I think it was like three quarters of the people we surveyed had already run a virtual open day and those who hadn't done one yet, most of them were were planning to do one soon at that point as well. And I guess aside from all of that, the the other thing that came out of it was, it's, it's an obvious one when you say it, but it it was worth highlighting in the paper that just the impact on international recruitment of this pandemic is, is massive. And a lot of that is actually out of the hands of the institution. So all of those other things like working with your ambassadors, creating great content, um, making sure you're, you're staying on top of what prospective students want to know about and running those virtual open days. You've got control over those and you can still have real agency over them and make them really good, really good events or really good channels of content. But when it comes to international recruitment, you know, we we saw that a lot of international students are actually basing decisions more on you know how well do they think a country has coped with a with a pandemic so we saw quite early on that there was a, an increase in interest in places like germany and new zealand who were perceived to have handled it quite well whereas in this country in the usa um not so not so well done so it's going to be obviously we're we're not really we've only scratched the surface on on what the longer term impacts on that would be but it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out and and i really feel for international for international recruitment teams because like i say it's out of their hands and they can do an amazing job at selling the university and their courses and and matching them up with student ambassadors to talk to but you know if ultimately if a young person or more likely if their parents are not comfortable with the idea of them traveling to country x or country y then it's going to be difficult to get them over the line and then of course you've got the whole moving course delivery online as well which is, a, is another massive thing but really i think the, the massive overall key takeaway which was quite handy for us given what we do but but it really feels like online recruitment is is absolutely here to stay and and really it feels like this has been a a really solid testing point of the worth of those online recruitment channels and now it's like you know just embrace it go with it make it part of your day-to-day like yeah sure other things are going to come back online as as normality edges back into our lives but you know i think it would be a real missed opportunity to not continue to make the most of all of these online channels that have really shown their worth in the last few months
0: yeah it's definitely forced a conversation hasn't it and i think from the teams i've spoken to it's looking at how they use those for lots of different discussions and conversations that you have with students throughout their journeys what would be your top tips for teams wanting to better reflect youth voice within their work
1: i mean i think from from the whole trust side of things that we've already talked about really i think the biggest thing can often just be to to just take the plunge and do it you know like get your students involved harness their energy ask for their feedback on what you're doing and act on that feedback as well. And I I think you just you'd be foolish not to do that, really. I think a big part of a prospective student's decision making process is being able to picture themselves as one of your students. They need to be able to do that to make a a confident decision about what their future is going to be. And you've got to bear in mind this decision is for most young people It's probably the biggest decision they've ever made in their lives at this point. They want to have confidence and they want to feel empowered that they're making the right one. And I think to do a lot of that stuff, they need to have access to actual, real students and be able to ask them questions. You know, you you can't get that sort of insight that those young people need from a photo of three racially diverse, smiling students of different genders sat under that tree on that magic bit of campus green space that's only ever used in photo shoots. You know, young people have been seeing through that for a long time anyway, and you know, your current students get it as well. As I said previously it wasn't too long ago that they were making these decisions themselves so you know just i think that would be my big tip really is 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 get them involved and trust them to do a good job that they're not going to let you down so just crack on with it and and work with them because you'll get incredible results
0: um and as part of the thing i'm doing with each episode i'm asking guests to give us any examples of brands or institutions that you think do a really good job either campaign or just generally in terms of how they represent themselves to children or young people so is there anyone that springs to mind when when we ask that
1: I mean I I kind of feel like I'm I'm too old to to really be aware of a lot of the brands that are doing great stuff because I was you know I I I do try and stay on top of some of this stuff and there's so many brands that pop up as as having great campaigns that I've literally never heard of so I'm going to sort of default to my millennial fallback position and 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 just say that you know nike always feel like they they strike the right tone and i feel like they they have their campaigns like they're cool but they have a message as well like the way nike has, has approached the way they work with colin kaepernick and, and and other of their their black influencer athletes over the last few years has been really inspirational to see and it's it's really shown that they totally they, they are really reading the room of their audience perfectly you know like when all that Kaepernick stuff kicked off a couple of years ago and you had crazy racist rednecks saying that they were burning their night trainers it's like great good I hope you're wearing them while you're burning them because frankly you don't you don't want those people as customers um so yeah it's like I, I know there are much more hip brands and, and much more niche brands out there doing cool stuff but they, they just don't come across my radar because I'm I'm mid-30s and I'm too old but
0: I feel your pain I also feel like as soon as I start using the word hip I'm like <laughs> oh man I've lost it and <laughs> um, okay and so interviewed Tony the other day and we were talking about you coming on the podcast and he was like I actually really want Dave to do like okay, a calm app because his voice is so good on podcast <laughs> so I think <laughs> there's like a business venture there and Tony would be Tony and I would definitely go for it so um so yeah, it's just some, some feedback that I thought i
1: Cool. Is that just like me reading my shopping list or something?
0: Yeah, basically, just like a help us to sleep. So any podcast books that you would really recommend, apart from obviously... Slipknot ones and <laughs> sort of about country bears. What would you recommend that we listen to?
1: Well, I mean, I, I mean, the the cheap thing to do here would be to plug Inspiration on Tap, which which I think is I think is a good show and has some good episodes. So I definitely listen to that. I mean, there are a couple of my favourites that I I think I've learned a lot from in terms of in terms of um, creating content and things and becoming story a better storyteller, and those would be Reply All and Heavyweight, which are both part of the Gimlet Network. So Reply All is um it's ostensibly a show about the internet but it's it's way deeper than that and then heavyweight is just really excellent sort of emotional-led people storytelling and they're both great examples of of just eminently listenable, listenable shows that will draw you in but they the way they tell stories is just exceptional and i think you can learn a lot from from listening to those kind of podcasts and then applying that to what you're doing in in your work you know in terms of you know how how do i tell a good story how do i get emotion across without it being cheesy how do i let people let people's voices come through so i definitely recommend reply All on heavyweight um aside from um aside from all of my podcasts
0: as well (laughs) not really you don't need to listen to those So that's it for episode three. I'm sure you'll agree Dave is a great guest and we'll all be rushing out to listen to every single one of his podcasts. Next up, we've got Azim Ahmed from Staffordshire University and we move on to another theme, which is all about how to create a community online for young people. I hope you found this episode useful. Drop me any feedback at rebecca at threadandfable.com or find me on Twitter, Rebecca7Roberts. And thanks ever so much for listening. Bye.